1: Doing the intro it's your podcast (laughs) i'll do the intro
2: i guess i haven't uh i haven't had all the glam and flashiness on my podcast lately so let's fucking get right into it (laughs) (laughs) gentlemen how you doing
1: we're good what's up
2: doing? doing well um so last week got a notification on my my phone i open it up and there's a title to the chat box the fellowship of the range <laughs> <laughs> my heart jumped in my throat and i was like we're back <laughs>
1: we're back baby! We're back we're back
2: back it's been a while how are you guys doing
1: i don't know i think uh I think I don't know, I feel like a bit like Gandalf and the other stuff, like something dark is stirring and uh Yeah, Mordors just come to, to life. Yeah.
3: I
2: think what was that like uh the two towers? Gandalf the White comes back. Gandalf, yeah. Is it that was it that one? He comes back and yeah, saves it everyone. The start of it,
1: yeah. <laughs> Gandalf
2: the White. The big light shining through. Who is it? If they called me. It's the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh,
1: it's going in infinite lockdown
2: we're actually opened up pretty good over here kind of back to normal are you still locked down over there
1: we're still yeah still pretty fucking tough until the rollout vaccine it's so actually fine for me i've moved house into the countryside so i'm like just hang out with my animals now and that's fine <laughs> but, uh, yeah oh, Jesus. i see uh jeff's got a cool background
3: yeah i'm in the falcon yeah, so if you might come, this, I'm about if to come blow your Death Star up.
1: <laughs> we're uh, recording this to go onto the old uh, YouTube or onto my YouTube later, I'm not sure everyone else will bang it up to on their ones. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you can look at our pretty faces.
2: <laughs> so yeah, was, we were chatting, and uh, like one thing I guess we haven't really focused on is really getting deeper into static stretching. Just I mean, it's always yeah. a flexibility talk getting into that stuff and we were making really good we had good momentum it seemed like last in the summer there um where it's getting out and it's you know it's still so much better than it was and but there's still just that uh still that like lash against stretching like it's still the you know it basically any anything but stretching is what you need to do there's, there's still that message being preached yeah. and uh yeah i thought it'd be good for us like get on and yeah. preach the good word the fellowship
1: the word of the <laughs> uh, static stretching combat the evil yeah. empire i say this while well like i'm sitting on the death star throne room but uh yeah i think it's really interesting i was really thinking about this lately. i've been doing a lot of thinking i'm putting some stuff on hold and design what i'm doing but one of the things i was really thinking about I was like i've been you know i've been training for quite a long time but i've been using the internet to research training topics for about 20 years now let's just talk about that just doing that and what i've realized is the same arguments that were going on 20 years ago are still present today and people just keep recycling them and yeah. we can see it how deep should i squat is squatting ass the grass dangerous is how much strength do you need do you need double body weight squat before doing plyometrics? Is core important? Is core training unimportant? Static stretching doesn't work. That, well, that's the kind of one that everyone has said. Static stretching doesn't work. And This is one of those things where, like, if you went to a dance school of good repute, a gymnastics school of good repute, a martial arts school of good repute, or even a yoga school of good repute, and told them, do you know the static stretching you're engaging in doesn't work? Everyone would laugh at you. Everyone just basically laugh and just go, what are you talking about? It clearly yeah. works if it's well-designed. I think a lot of what it comes down to is the people who are, once again, it's my normal argument, the people who are implementing static stretching in their programs don't know what they're doing. They yeah. don't understand the exercises. They don't understand what they're looking at. It's badly taught. If you look at you know, your generic strength and conditioning program, obviously not our listeners here who are doing better, you would have some kind of warm-up activation block, preparation for the exercises, You'd have your main kind of exercise, your secondary main exercise, and then some accessories. And we'd pick those accessories based on this person has weak calves. So we will do something for their calves as an example. And we aim to go, oh, this is a hole in their conditioning. We're aiming to bring this up. Or this person needs more hypertrophy in this muscle group because the demands like a wrestler. Okay, they need a bigger neck just to, you know, whatever. And this is all accessible. But then at the end, it's like stretch your hamstrings. How? I don't know. Touch your toes. <laughs> and it's, it's just like it comes back to there's just a lack of precision there's a lack of precision on how the exercises are done the condition the exercises are done in what is the expectation of the performance of the exercise once again we notice for hypertrophy or strength training it's like oh we want to build up a big amount of strength well we're going to try and move that weight fast oh we want hypertrophy maybe we're going to focus on a bit slower contraction but really mentally get into it and really squeeze the shit out of what we're doing yeah and if you ask strength coaches this, they're all going to basically agree and there'll be a bit of trends on the top, but they know where we're coming from. Where stretching is just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, your back is sore. Do a wall quad stretch. Oh, how do we yeah. set it up? What's the difference between wearing, like, you know, what sort of underwear is going to affect your stretch? This is important. And all this kind of thing is just like, I'm just using this as an outlier, but it is an example of, like, there's just not the knowledge and there's not the practical experience. And then when we go to the research where people are like, oh, static stretching doesn't work or compared to full range training, you know, they're equally efficient or full range training is better or whatever. But then you look at the studies and you look at the people doing it and people going and they say, they basically go, we've taken some people who've never tried to improve their range and we've given them exercise to improve their range and they both improve their range. Therefore, this is better or this one's slightly better. And, you know, you're not looking at magnitude of effect. You're just looking at statistical significance. And it's just like, well, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, say, taking someone who's unfit, and we're going to go, oh, you've never done cardiovascular training before. We're going to give one group 200-meter sprints at about 75% intensity, and the other group, uh, we're going to give them a 5K run at whatever intensity, and we're going to test both of them. And lo and behold, both of them improve in basically all measures of cardiovascular fitness, Mm -hmm. where it's the same thing in, like, kind of range development training it's like oh we compared static stretching with this and then it's like you know i'm gonna rant a bit about papers actually because i'm going through a few it's like using the controls on a lot of the papers done for this are bad they are not yeah. done if we look at like i have a key for dismissing most papers if it doesn't mention the time of day that they measured the stretching and the hydration status of the people doing it you can basically dismiss the paper immediately if it doesn't track menstrual cycle for women you can distract it immediately unless you can kind of figure it out yourself but it's this kind of these kind of things are like very clear biochemical things that we know affect range of motion and the fluctuation range of motion over a month or over your hydration status or over your circadian ribbon so it's like i wonder if i wanted to prove that squatting made me gain more range my hamstrings than stretching i'd just test the squat people in the morning for their first thing and then in the afternoon for their next group and go, lo and behold, look, they gained range. And then just retest the hamstring people in the morning. And this shit does happen. So, you know, I don't want to get too conspiracy on it, but I do know this kind of shit happens to try and improve stuff. Yeah, And then it's like hydration status, obviously a clear one. So it's kind of, this is a rant against research and just how badly constructed a lot of this stuff is as well. Yeah. But I think back to the static stretching, it's like, To say it doesn't work shows you don't really know how to implement it properly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'm big on my own experiences as well. And going on the journey, it was probably the number one thing that stood out that I had never actually stretched before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if people are going to come to me at the stage I'm at now and inquire about these things, then I'm going to tell them exactly what I did and what worked for me and what worked for everybody that I have been helping. And it all starts with learning how to stretch properly, how to be in a static stretch, Um, not to overcomplicate it to a point where you're wondering about the pails and the rails and the, you know, whatever contraction has to happen, but just learning to be, and learning to actually hold the stretch. Um, that is the foundation of starting a sound flexibility routine is actually learning that one component. And it seems to be the only thing that people are trying to get around is like, what can I do besides that? Because I don't like that.
1: <laughs> um, I think uh, yeah, Kit Lachlan nailed it in one of the workshops. I was, came to Berlin. We organized, helped him organize one. And he was just, basically people were doing a hip flexor stretch or peer I can't remember, some kind of stretch. And he just went around, look around the room uh, at the people stretching. Uh, look, everyone's kind of wiggling around on the stretch. And if you're wiggling around on the stretch, you're basically trying to avoid the stretch. You're not actually going. So in a static stretch, you must be static to a certain degree once you've set your position. Yeah. And this is where the the question of what the phrase i don't really like it stretch tolerance comes in of like can you actually tolerate the stretch well you have to be able to modulate the intensity that you can survive for your durational whatever duration you're looking to hold it for but it is that kind of thing of like oh yeah can you survive it are you wiggling around are you being actually static and you know i have my own arguments against the term passive as well but that's a different conversation but are you being static is it actually true static stretching or are you kind of lossing yourself a little
2: mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. we had uh, an interesting group we took through like i took through the teacher training recently took a group through that and those first four weeks were just about static stretching and experimenting with being in the stretch in different ways it wasn't about like hold the stretch for 90 seconds it was like okay let's what happens when we get into the stretch and we contract right away what happens when we stay in the stretch and we hold and then we contract later on in the stretch and again it's it's the findings that are so interesting is that it's all completely individualized you know half half of the group um preferred contracting right away and they had maybe more of a a background in athletics and, you know, strength base, I guess you could say where the other, other group, other half can preferred being in the stretch and then contracting as they settled into the stretch. So it was again, interesting to see among the group that there wasn't just one set way to static stretch. It was, you know, present ideas and learn what works for the individual within
3: yeah. the stretch. Yeah. I think that comes too with like experience, um, and obviously, you know, if you want to call it tolerance to the stretch, once you kind of learn how to manage it a little better um, and predict it, I think is like, it's funny because when I started teaching stretching on, on, a, on a big scale, um, people definitely resist it. Like they, they want to kind of fight back against it or like, and it was talking about, they want to avoid it and move around and kind of just do everything, but just stay there and hold it. Um, and you know, you, it's always one of the arguments like, oh, you, you could do multiple sets, of 30 seconds or, you know, 90 seconds, or, you know, what about five minutes or whatever. And I'll just bring up an example is that I was actually talking with a, uh, you know, when we were kind of posting all this stuff on Instagram about people saying static stretching doesn't work where it's not, if it's not time efficient or all these different things, the, a member, uh, someone that we've actually both kind of coached when we were on the range of strength lives on the Sundays, and, um, he said that he actually had one of the biggest epiphanies doing one of those classes because he had tried variations of flexibility training before. And, you know, there's many different schools now at this point, teaching different things and whatever. And he was one of those who didn't really think that static passive stretching worked. Um, but what happened during the class classes, I think I was running it and I was probably talking, so I lost track of time. And so we ran into the stretch like for a significant amount of time, it was probably like about five minutes or so. But he said that that specific time where he had the breakthrough, because he said he finally actually managed to reach the point where he felt like he actually relaxed and kind of embraced the range and the flexibility and the static stretch. And it took him five minutes. Like some people are so resistant to it. And that's like one of the things that I've learned is You know, when you tell somebody two or three minutes, their eyes pop open and they're like, holy crap, that's a long time. But initially it, it does take that long for people to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, these guys try 15 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever, it's like, you're not even scratching the surface. You know I mean? You're not even, you're not even breaking the surface here. You're, you've spent no significant amount of time in a stretch where of course you're not really going to get, especially initially. Like again, once I think once you get more experienced, it's like, I know I can get into a stretch for 30 seconds and boom, get down into it and get everything I need out of it. But I did not start like that. I was one of those where I needed, I needed five minutes in a, in a pancake stretch to really relax and ease into it and get to the point where I could just lay there and be still. And it's like, that's what you see a lot with these high end, you know, elite dancers and gymnasts, like, how long did you stay in that stretch? Like, Oh, I was in a pancake for 10 minutes. You know, like, is that necessary? Not, you know, again, the context is important who you're dealing with. And there's so many factors that's going to determine whether that's going to be the most efficient for that person or not. But that's the issue more or less is them making these massive big claims that like it's, yeah. yeah, it's super time efficient. If you're not spending enough time in it to get anything out of it, mm-hmm. of course it is, but it's up to you as a coach to determine what that's going to take. Um, and, and and from my experience especially coaching people that are getting introduced to real to true stretching and flexibility training it takes a lot longer time just from my experience than than people give credit to um yeah you know definitely. so
1: yeah it's always this kind of thing of like it's doing a stretch is it's like peeling an onion layer by layer there's you're you get into stretch if we just look at the sensations that come up it's like you begin to swim in the sea of sensations that your body is going yeah. and most people just get into the position this is one of the key things for me with static stretching is the expiration of the body and how the expression of your own patterns of tension and this kind of it's very how to describe it it's very interesting basically so everything's interesting for me but it's always this thing of, like you go into a position and then you there's an initial tension reaction to that position Mm -hmm. and then you'll sink a bit deeper but then there's all these other sensations you can start noticing you start like looking it's like is it say i'm doing a bilateral stretch i'm doing a pancake stretch is the sensation the same either side and i mean like is it really the same or is like one one leg you feel it more in the adductor magnus the other one you feel it more in the hip one hip flexor is pulling harder one point is lighting up in one leg and one you have a full length stretching sensation of the whole muscle mm-hmm. all these kind of things are things you can begin to notice and the thing is like the initial tension pattern reaction you get if you scan the body and hold your intent on it without commenting without judging or without without getting involved in what's going on just observe it you begin to see that it disappears it doesn't like uh, this is weird it doesn't exist you Mm -hmm. can just get into the tension the initial one and that goes away that's like a it's almost a projection of what sensation your body thinks you should feel once that goes away then obviously maybe you'll go deeper or not but then the true sensations and what's going on really really begin to uh show themselves and this is like when people are talking about oh i learned to relax it's like oh i was in the position and i'm there's kind of this movement towards the center of the body from the limbs. And that kind of is holding. And it's the moment when you can just like uh, lengthen and expand out. It doesn't even mean you go deeper, but there's a moment when the body gives up the fighting tension and kind of transfers it. It feels like it takes the tension from the muscles that are resisting the stretch and lets them relax into the connective tissue and the parallel elastic components. And then that's when we're beginning to get somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then we can start laying down tissue. We can start actually creating change, and that for me was like the. Yeah, I don't even know. It was probably six to eight months of just learning to get over resisting that. <laughs> yeah. Like, because yeah. you're resisting it the whole time. So you don't want to do it, and it's uncomfortable, and you don't have. That locus of attention that uh, Kit talks about—you don't have that focus, that like meditative mindset. Like you just want to not be in it. You're looking, you know, you're looking for an easier way. Man, um, <laughs> I mean, that relates to anything. Like, it's you want to get strong your squat. You're going to do uncomfortable things. You're going to, and it's a big part of making that progress on the barbell is getting over the resistive. Well, it hurts my hands. Oh well, my, my neck hurts. It's like, yeah, you're trying to lift heavy weight. It's kind
3: of, you know, it's the exact same. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels people don't respect, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's why we can often make the comparison to strength training because, like, the guiding principles of excelling in both are this exact same. It, but people think that it's, like, stretching is this, like, frou-frou experience where it's, like, it's going to be soft and easy and, it's like, no, dude, like I've, I've had, I've had full grown men with making millions of dollars playing sports, sweat more bullet stretching than them actually training, like strength <laughs> training. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's the kind of intensity it takes to improve and, and kind of confront those things. And, you know, like I tell people a lot, cause people, a lot of people ask me kind of how I got started in flexibility. And for me, it was, it was like uh I was trying to find a solution that foam rollers and, and things weren't giving me. Right. And, and, and I just had from baseball, just had so many jacked up. I didn't even realize it until I really started stretching um, just the, the, the significance from side to side. And um, you know, it was more about handling an issue. And, and and once you really, for real experience stretching, you like anyone who's, who's actually done it knows it works yeah, and, yeah. And, and it works well. Like, I, I've never had regardless, a person, regardless yeah. if
2: they want to admit it, like, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? You, know yeah, what? Yeah, like, you can say whatever you want, but I know damn well, if you got this certain type of range, you spend a significant amount of time stretching at the beginning. Yeah. Don't fucking lie to me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Cause I've been there. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. I mean, you know, and I, I made the evolution of like to some more of the extreme stuff, you know, like being crazy enough to do Emmett's head to toe you know, and, and a funny story about that is I experienced the same thing he talked about just with static stretching. And it's, I initially looking back, it was like, I think I even remember asking Emmett, like why three by why three by 72, you know, like what's the significance there. And he's like, there's no fucking significance. Just fucking do it. (laughs) Right. I was like, all right. (laughs) Uh, But But I, but I, but I did it i mean i'm sure there was but his it was more or less of a like you don't need to know really what this like the significance probably really doesn't matter (laughs) just do the routine like that's what matters right and like okay but of course i did it all out right like yeah there was the there was the optional 36 reps in the morning you know that was like the optional thing but i was like fuck that like i'm gonna do the 36 reps in the morning and it was brutal but what i realized is what took me by the third set to finally really relax and ease into the pulses and get comfortable over the weeks and the months it became, Oh, my first, it took 12 reps of each side versus like, you know, 200 some reps on one side, like that, that ability to access it more quickly came over time as, you know, the stretch tolerance in a way, as I became more acclimated to it, definitely as tissue laid down, I've never had hamstring doms. and and like glute doms the way i had calf the way i had that but it's the same experience even outside of static passive stretching even with dynamic stretching or ballistic stretching or whatever it was that same kind of it took time to access it faster and quicker Mm -hmm. and you know and then however far you want to take it's another another story but it took a lot of volume initially to just like
2: and, like, it, so- and again, yeah, it's the parallels, the same in strength training, those athletes you were training and sweating their ass off. I guarantee you they were doing that the first time they started doing their strength work too. Right. They just forget. You forget, right. Yeah. And yeah. It's easy to forget when you become flexible too. Cause I've, I've forgotten this year. There's been moments where I've forgotten about all that work because it's like accessible to me. It's like, yeah, what was it last summer? We did the head to toe thing or. And it came back in like a couple weeks. I was like, Oh yeah, it's still there. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. You, but you forget. Right. And uh, I think it's the same. Yeah. When you, you, you get to that higher level of conditioning, not elite sports, maybe, but just like, you know, you're a runner and you can run an easy 5k. Well, it didn't start like that. <laughs> and you forget, right. Like you forget like yeah. all that time you spent stretching and hating, hating every second of it. And uh, you know, then where you're at now, like that's, I think what you always have to put into perspective.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, you just kind of reminded me of something there. But, uh so going back to good friend, Kit Lachlan as normal. So Kit starts his workshops with what he considers the most important thing first, which is stretching hip flexors properly. And as you guys are aware, Kit can talk. He is <laughs> the master of talking in terms of uh, entertaining, captivating, always thing he kind of he's always explaining stuff and there is a point to i don't want to i'll explain anyway for people go to his workshop at some point but he's talking to try and teach you to understand the stretch so he's kind of distracting you a little but he puts you in a hip flexor stretch and there's someone sitting on you and you're propped up and that's the stretch therapy thing you've done a couple of rounds of contractions and then he just starts talking at you and suddenly you kind of realize you've probably been in a stretch about five minutes of hip flexors now part of mm. his reason for it is that like people should need to learn to tap out and take control and autonomy of their own stretching and go, okay, when well, I've had enough. But the other point is just like, he kind of knows that people won't tap out because he hasn't told them when to go. He's given them instructions saying, you know, you know, basically you do your stretch and then do 10 breaths, paying attention. But you know, most people have gone well beyond the 10 breaths, but they're not tapped out. And slowly around that like room, this is when you start to see people like sweat, breaking down, like, Big Jack dudes or yoga teachers or whoever's at the workshop and all this shit. Just from like it is partner stretching, but it's still a static stretching, and it's still just like it. You know, it's this was like when you start seeing the weird emotional reactions and stuff coming up to this that you just don't really get in strength training.
3: Yeah,
1: and it's kind of it's interesting. Like the first time you kind of done one of these like five or six minute hip flexor stretches, like a lot of shit comes out. But then like the next few times you do, you kind of know, but then it's kind of, it can be an almost, it's that kind of, there's a recoil response afterwards towards the thing you can tighten up, obviously, just like you do in strength training, get doms, recovery period, then you output the new range, but you also output the new experience and control quite quickly. That it's like the first time it's a shock to the system. It's kind of like your first time doing a 20 rep squat. Like every, you guys have obviously done the 20 rep squat routine, like, for a lot of people the first time doing the 20 reps squat is like oh you're outside with a bucket or you're running yeah. the car park whatever uh, you know first time an airdyne for me was like that it was like oh this thing looks like fun I'll go for it and just go as fast as you can 30 seconds like i don't feel too good i have to run and it's that kind of <laughs> it's that kind of experience but it's a different it's not lactate building up it's something different
2: yeah
1: and that's what's kind of interesting is until you've really had that experience and gone through a couple of releases and a couple of like what you think is going on, then it becomes a skill you can access. But once mm-hmm, you've yeah. done it and had the experience, like anything in life, really, you're just kind of making it up as you go along.
3: Yeah. I had that experience during your head to toe routine. I wanted to vomit <laughs> a few times. I was like, oh my God, I got so uneasy. And it is, it is, I think, definitely a more emotional response than it is like an actual physical one, obviously that too, But it is an interesting note that like there is a lot of emotions tied to these different things. And of course you could get down the rabbit hole of how flexibility, you know, Kit talks about it a lot about how flexibility is an imprint of different traumas and yeah. different things you've experienced in your life and, and things like this. And you you do start to visit places while you're stretching and you're just like, wow, this is it is an incredible it is it is an interesting experience because yeah, I I don't think I've ever I, I train I'd I have to say I tra- I train my ass off. I train pretty hard and I don't ever reach a place like that when I'm training. I, I definitely get uncomfortable, but I don't get to a place where I'm like reassessing my whole life path and how I got to where I was and all these things that you definitely do with stretching. It's um yeah, I, I I don't know. I think some maybe some guys just can't confront it. You know, they're just they're, they're just yeah, weak.
1: There's definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's definitely one of these things that it is like I think the, for me, if we're just going to go into a bit more esoteric stuff, uh, it is like you're putting yourself, when you put yourself into a static position, this is why isometric training isn't too popular, just like normal strength isometrics as well. You're putting yourself into a confrontation with your yourself, your perceived self, and what's actually going on in reality. And this is why, like, just normal isometrics, say I'm pushing against like some pins or something for bench or squat or whatever – People just like, Even though it's very effective, we notice it's one of the best ways of dealing with sticking points and rate of force development. No one really wants to train it after they've done it for a while, even though it doesn't. Because it's like you're just going, this is me in confrontation with the world, and it's just not working. It's very frustrating. And it's the same with stretching. It's like, oh, I have a shape to my body, just like I have a shape to the mind. And now I'm just pulling that shape to its limit and showing maybe you could go beyond what you think is in there or what your perception of yourself is in there. And it gets a, it can be very frustrating for a lot of people. There is kind of a, you know, if we're to go into Chinese medicine terms, this is where we're going a bit deeper. So we're speaking in an abstract concepts now, not in s- specific scientific terms. But in Chinese medicine terms, we have the stomach energy, which relates to the earth element, which relates to the the emotion of worrying, and anxiety anxiety is a bit more kidneys but uh, this kind of worrying and pensiveness and overthinking is part of the stomach energy and that also is part of the muscles and if we know one group of people who like to worry if we think about all the people who are really worried about their self-perception their muscles and they try to fix it by getting bigger muscles and they like to overthink it would be people who get into strength training so yeah. when you're putting this kind of thing under stretch you're beginning to put a confrontation against the the personality typing, I suppose. No, we're speaking completely abstract here, but I think it's no. That, I, mean, or, I mean, I
3: mean yeah. that makes sense. I mean, even if you go along the lines of a lot of the personality and psych typing that Poliquin used and guys like Christian Thibodeau use and stuff, yeah. it's like you tend to gravitate towards a physical activity that tends to bias or favor whatever your personality kind of yeah. trait is, right? And strength training and flexibility training are I mean, in my opinion, to this point, they're so romantically integrated with one another, but still there's tend to be seen on two ends of the spectrum. Right. So it's, yeah. it is against, especially as a strength athlete, or someone who's more biased towards that. It is t- a confrontation to something that's probably totally against what you as an individual would, I mean, obviously gravitate towards. That's why you that's why you're a strength athlete, not a Yogi or a, dan- you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it is interesting because obviously they've used that for, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm more of a long distance and endurance athlete versus a power athlete. Like there's, there are def- certain personality types that go with certain activities. So it's, I mean, a hundred percent, I think it, people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, it's a,
1: yeah, it's just one of these things. It's just interesting to consider or more that I was like, Oh, they kind of noticed this stuff a while ago and they translated it into their own kind of mito poetic language. Whereas mm-hmm. we kind of have our more precise terms, I suppose, but it's still interesting to get a bit of insight. But where was I going to go with that? So, yeah, so it's interesting that we have almost two dialectically opposed kind of things. We have people who like contracting. you know, We have people who like releasing. And mm-hmm. yep. for one side and the other, they obviously need a bit of balance. You know, we always need a bit of balance in our training in certain ways. But it is kind of like, oh this kind of static stretching is kind of in complete contrast and it does different things to the dynamic stretching. If you think of the dynamic loaded range of motion development exercises, it's it the sexy really, stuff. It's the sexy stuff and it definitely works yeah. but at the same time. Like I've never had someone have a past life experience doing like get ups for side splits <laughs> or four stand squats or tailor's pose lifts. But I've had people do them in a static tailor pose mm-hmm. or I've had, this is the kind of thing. It's like, There's a lot of stuff in there. and A lot of this tension that we're exposing you to and draining out of the body with static stretching is inhibitory towards your actual potential. Mm -hmm. And This is what I suppose is possibly, if we're looking at athletics and performance, if we think about like, this is one of the things people kind of forget. Rate of contraction is biased by rate of relaxation. And if your body is used to operating with lower tension, you will be able to move and perform your task smoother and faster and this comes down to most athletics how do we want it smooth and fast yeah we don't want to be fighting yourself it's like the kind of the classic study where like we fought with people at mid-range of a 100 meter sprint and we were able to predict their times based on past times and how much tension they were holding in their face Mm -hmm. like oh well this way you know there's all these tensions in the body from various kind of things and static stretching is one of the best ways to get them out of the body
3: yeah yeah Kit talks about that a lot too. And also the comparison of like the dog versus the big cat, right? Like how the big cat movement is smooth and rapid and powerful because they spend so much time relaxed and they use that energy when and where exactly at the precise moment that they need it and no more and no less. And it's like, whereas dogs are constantly just like, you know, on edge and seeking approval. And you know, that's, that's like one of the best stories. I think the comparisons he's ever made to the experiences and it's and then i look at wow that's like such a fascinating correlation that he makes between that and i always like cat like therapy like it's <laughs> like for grandmas who like are into cats and then when he explains the big cat thing i was like oh shit this is that's next yeah. level and it's it's you know when people don't realize that that big cats pound for pound are like some of the most powerful strongest animals and i mean yeah. I, sometimes even I feel like I, like I could take cat. an eighty-pound dog before I can take a twenty-pound cat. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: I don't know. I had a cat that was about twenty pounds that I think you'd have no problem taking, but like she was kind of. But like she could still like we had in the house. We really at the time. We still had garden walls that were fourteen foot, and she could jump up them, like even at age like the cat lived till she was twenty-one. She could still go up them at twenty. Just, yeah. Boom! Up the wall, grab, like jump. She was clearing about like I looked at it and I measured it. she was clearing eight foot in a jump and then kind of doing a second jump by grabbing her claws on and then up, and like, yeah, I could get up on the wall, I could not get up as fast as that cat at twenty, yeah. which is basically eighty or hundred and forty in cat years or some shit like this,
3: yeah, I uh, think that I think one of the things we should kind of brush on, I think that will help people even. Cause I know I'm getting a lot of people that are coming from kind of a different spectrum. I know combined our audience tends to kind of already believe in this stuff. <laughs> like, that's why they follow us. But, uh, for the ones who don't, um, I think it's important to draw some context behind static stretching because I don't think people give enough context. Like there's kind of two ways you kind of brushed on it in the beginning where you talked about how the context of a lot of these studies is so bad, which yeah. I tell people all the time already. Like if you actually read the study and know what you're talking about, you read that and you go, wow like anyone who actually read this would understand that this is a horrible example and this is horribly applied context. And then never would I apply a 10 minute hamstring stretch directly before a 20 meter sprint. Like that's just yeah. stupid, but they don't think about these things. And you know, one thing maybe Emmett, you could probably touch on a lot in, more in depth is like why, and this is kind of the argument and it's funny, Lucas and I make this as if, if it was just, if just loading up a certain range more and more wasn't enough, why is it people can't access that? Like, for example, why is it people for years chase squat mobility yeah. and in these things? If the answer is simple as as load it up more and go deeper, like, and that's the argument that you you see. Like, oh, all you need to do is is put more weight on the range and and go deeper. And it's like, well, if that was the case, everyone would should be able to technically do that, but it's a lot of times i see the opposite the more you start to load it the, the, you know the more you start to actually sacrifice range of motion and things like this it doesn't go the way that people explain it and so you know i have my own experiences with it but maybe you can kind of start as to why
1: yeah. why
3: is that and and this is like obviously where static stretching becomes a, a massive tool but foundation yeah. yeah
1: i think it's it goes all the way back into this idea of releasing into the structure and that if you're maintaining the contraction you can basically you know if i'm thinking about muscle anatomy here and now i'm open to being wrong on this if you think of the architecture and the fibers they can only stretch so far and they will still keep contracting and this is what i think is going on is like oh you know we actually get this in some of the loaded type of stretching where people lock their side split or their front split to a certain range and they can't go beyond it why because the body's got used to producing a lot of force here and doesn't want to because it's like oh we're we go down we want to pause at this point because it's our normal expected turnaround point. We get very, very good at it. Like it's like a friend of mine is a uh, Kieran from Everfit Strength in Dublin. Everfit? I can't Maybe he's Everfit. Anyway, he's a very good powerlifting coach. But he has a joke that powerlifting is uh, the cure for hypermobility. And he was into martial arts when he was a kid. He was super flexible, high kicks, splits, all this. And he, he got into powerlifting. He's very good at it, and he's very, very good at coaching and stuff like this. But he's just like lost all his flexibility from powerlifting because he's like, basically his goal with his squat now is to squat half an inch below parallel and no more. <laughs> and he just wants to get two white lights, not three. It's so It is this kind of idea of like if you're, you need a certain amount of duration in a stretch position, either in a dynamic one where you're going into a range. If you think of a kind of graph, it goes down. And then most people turn around. At the turnaround point, if you're turning around quickly, quick as anything less than two seconds for me, you're just basically stretching everything. You know, even you know. I remember Louis Simmons talking about like in a trained lifter, the stretch reflex can even last up to five to ten seconds. So the stretch reflex, the basically the ability for the body to restore to its starting position, is already active for quite a long time and can be trained to last longer. So you're basically training the stretch reflex, so the restoration reflex for me to restore you out of that position. Whereas if you start holding it longer, then it starts, oh, wait, now we're getting into time of attention. How much time of attention do we need in a zone? And then it's like, well, could we fix this with static stretching? Is Mm -hmm. the position too complicated? This is the other thing. A lot of big multi-jointed movements where you're actually stabilizing the body in space, they're too complex to actually release in. This is why using floor, using supports... Getting really into it is very useful in static stretching because you can just release, get heavy, and sink. But you can't really do that. Like, say, say the classic one, uh, split squats for stretching out the hip flexors. It can be pretty effective for some people. It's not great, but it works. We can't deny that. But initially, I think. Initially, yes. Since, is- since I've had so
3: much experience, like you said earlier, like for total beginners... Who have never experienced that exercise or stretching their hip flexors ever before, for sure you can see progress without a doubt. Yeah. Where I saw people hit a plateau and where my expertise came in specifically for improving the hip flexor range of motion for that movement to get people past like a six inch box, you had to spend time stretching your hip flexors. Yeah. Like c- certain people were beating their head against a wall trying to get people deeper without understanding all it took is some static stretching for the hip flexors. And then that they, they, like within weeks, you saw people four inches three inches on the floor whatever but yeah they're definitely to a point
1: for sure yeah yeah this again comes into context and when do you introduce certain techniques like this yeah. like this is the kind of thing it's like with strength training oh if we just look at say basic block periodization you know it's not it's not really what to do but it's still oh we go we build some muscle then we train that muscle to contract faster and stronger okay, now that we have some muscle and some strength, we're going to try and maximize the speed it can contract That So we have our hypertrophy, strength, plyometric, basically. And you don't really go, oh, let's just do plyometrics, hypertrophy, plyometrics, hypertrophy, strength, blah. We kind of figured out that there is a sequencing and an introduction to these things. So it's like, oh, someone's never really moved through full range, whatever we're defining that as, or full range of what they're capable of. We'll give them some exercises where they're like, oh, we're gonna get you into full range, we're gonna get you into full range, we're gonna put you into some very more stretched out position than you use to training. That gives results. We see improvement in range of motion. That stops giving yeah. results at a certain time, or a new stimulus is needed. Oh, we can introduce a new stimulus. Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of context whereas like, you know, you could argue, oh, we had one group stretch and we had one group do long lunges or whatever, and the lunge group got stronger at lunges. That's great. And they got more; they had the same flexibility. Okay, that's great. But eventually, one of them is going to stop working on both groups.
3: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And I mean, you're only limited to that stretch reflex. If your stretch reflex cuts off short, and you're loading and loading and loading, and that's when the practice becomes unsafe.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and I
3: think that that point too that Emmett made about the uh, getting strong at that point where yeah. you need to actually start to access more ranges. Dan's actually talked about that a lot and why, yeah, like weighted strength training and extended ranges can definitely help, but there's going to get a point where you're going to get so good at creating tension at that range where it's going to be counterintuitive to what you want to do. If your goal is to actually go deeper, you know, and, and that weight and that strength will stop you and inhibit you from going t- deeper. <laughs> it's, it's, I think context is so important. Everyone's trying to sell this like global idea that, there's this one simple effective tool that's globally works for a single, every single individual in every single scenario. And it's just like, it's, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's just so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of thing. It's uh, it's always what you come up against in the fitness industry. It's very easy to try and sell something as the one-off solution to your problems. And it's you know it's for everything really it's like oh, well, your drain is unblocked use this drain unblocker you know
3: well it's you know it, it's the same it's the same thing that bad coaches use flexibility for it's like and i and i get these people a lot like oh my such and such is 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 tight or whatever give me a stretch for it and it's like it's 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 not that easy it's like that's not how you use stretching dude like <laughs> you know what i mean like but 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 that's because that's like a lot of context that people apply it in or they said that that's the only way it's applied and it's like you know oh you have knee pain like stretch your quads well not not necessarily i mean like can it definitely be a useful tool sure but like just stretching your quads for five minutes every day doesn't like there's what like who, you know what i mean but that's but that's what happens and it's like yeah. again it comes down to who's applying it or who's assessing the, the, the problem in the first place? And do they have the qualifications to be assessing those problems Two, If we've gotten past that stage, the tools to address whatever problem it is, does it match the assessment? And is there like a logical reason why it was applied or was it just pulled out of thin air and given to you because they actually have no idea. And I think that's a lot of times how stretching is used. It's like yeah. something sore. So like I'm people get a weird reaction. Like, what do you mean? I don't I I need to make sure there's like, it's tight shouldn't i stretch it like it depends (laughs) like it depends it depends it's it's you know but again that's well such and such gave me this quad stretch for five minutes every single day and it's like holy crap why were you (laughs) stretching your quads for five minutes every single day but anyways yeah it's
1: yeah that's kind of one of those things that's quite interesting i think when we i want to talk a bit about injuries and injury prevention with stretching and stuff like this a bit later but uh Where's my train of thought? It's like, yeah, something is tight. Something gives you a sensation of tightness. It doesn't necessarily mean you're lacking range of motion or right. you have tension. It's, you always have to look at the context that the tension appears and what kind of movements. Like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. Well, when do they feel tight? They feel tight when I'm running. Well, that's a very different tightness than like I do a forward fold and they feel tight. One side feels tighter than the other. Mm-hmm, very yeah. fucking different context and very misapplied. it's like oh my yeah. calves are so tight and it's like well why is that though well, when I'm playing soccer my calves just feel tight and it's like well maybe it's because you're up on the balls of your feet for like 90 minutes you know <laughs> there's a very different thing maybe your calves are tight but it's still it's just yeah. using tight and equating tight to must be stretched is mm-hmm. one of the cardinal sins of stretching
3: yeah, yeah. well so, it's picky. it's like even when you access an end range, right, Lucas? It's like, wow, my adductors feel tight when my legs are fucking abducted 180 <laughs> degrees away from my body. But does it actually mean you have tight adductors? Like, no, like right. no. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. Like, how,
2: how can you release? How can you release tension? Like, where you're carrying it? Well, what's going on around that? Like, where, what's your what's going on with the hips there? Like, what if we did some hip work? Oh, okay. Well, actually, well now my quad is releasing tension like you know like it's it's the bigger picture um it's that isolated train of thought like one of the things i'll i'll say to like a lot of the students too is someone tells you they want to touch their toes and all you prescribe is like toe touching movements and exercises and flexibility that's the same as telling someone who asked you to lose the jiggle in their arm that's the same as prescribing them with uh arm
3: extensions (laughs) yeah you know what I mean? Like it's the big big
1: wings, bro. The
2: big system,
3: yeah. Just get really big muscles to fill it all out. It'll be fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of yeah. That's uh, i feel tight thing. I have a I have a band. I call it the Morgan Effect, named after named after one of my students, Morgan, who's uh, very flexible, very talented. Oh, Morgan yeah. Lee. Yeah, Morgan. Lee. Oh, I'll yeah. call him out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Morgan. We're talking about you. But uh yeah, such is... a beast. He was, like, he got flexible super fast. He started off, like, unflexible and got flexible super fast. And he'd come in every morning, like, whenever we are training, whenever he was visiting me and other times. And he'd basically just, like, 9 o'clock in the morning, no coffee or anything, straight into a flat middle split or split or oversplit or whatever he was doing, just boom, flat. Uh, And then, like, the next thing out of his mouth would be, like, oh, I'm so tight. And I'm just, like, you're in an oversplit. You're banned from saying that word yes i know you perceive yourself as tight but objectively it's just like you're literally at the you're at your end range of motion you will always feel tight at your end range of motion if you don't you're not at your end range that's okay but this is the mistake people make. like that's when we need to stretch you to increase your range of motion in some way or do something that will do it but Mm -hmm. when you're like oh my hamstrings are tight and my left one feels really tight when i'm standing up that is generally not a stretching problem my shoulder feels really tight when i like have it in a push-up position. That's probably not a stretching issue uh, Mm -hmm. by equating tightness and solution, once again. with Stretching is like, it's basically, yeah. As you said, it's like, my arms are jiggling. Or, you know, I can't see my six-pack. I better go do a million crunches.
3: (laughs) Here's a good example. I'll I'll go back to the head to toe. Was I was experiencing my left side being tighter than my right for a long time. Yeah. And and I think finally your recommendation was oh, stretch your left piriformis, like your left hip. Maybe you need yeah. some more rotation in that hip and it's not getting enough internal rotation. So it's yanking. And sure enough, you know what, actually, I think this was when I hit my left side. Like, I think I had my right side head to toe Yeah, probably a week or so before. And you're like, just try stretching your piriformis, your hips out. And so I did that before I did the head to toe routine in that same Time, that's when i hit it on the left and it the range was the same like the range was there definitely in the hamstring and the calves if something else was limiting it in ql yeah. piriformis whatever it wasn't my it wasn't my hamstring <laughs> i definitely sent, felt it there for what it, you know because yeah. of whatever tightness I, elsewhere but it, it's it definitely wasn't an isolated incident and, and more times than not it's certainly that scenario like a lot of of course we all have like imbalances and asymmetries, but I don't think a lot of times it comes down to a, like really attention issue more or less. Like it's yeah. if like from a local standpoint, you know, it definitely the whole chain obviously we know can affect different aspects. I mean, but you know, maybe you chew gum on one side of your mouth. So once <laughs> jaw is tighter, so it, you know, if that will flash or whatever, there's like yeah. so many random little things that you can just like pick up on that or, you know maybe you got punched in the right side of your face so the whole right side of your face is like more tense you know like there's just like so many examples you can give that could have an impact that more times than not i find it to be a the issues elsewhere yeah you it's know?
1: definitely like when it's yeah there's a tension issue that's not going away yeah you can always like thinking back of one the strangest ones i ever had was i was having ongoing shoulder problems for a while it was like two three months of kind of not bad, but, like, you know, you know one of these niggles where you're just like, I just don't want to train fully because I feel like I'm going to blow something. And that kind of, it was just going on. And I couldn't figure it out. Went to a couple of friends who were good physios. They were, like, you know, testing, strength, everything was fine. And then, I can't even remember how I figured it out, but just my index finger was tight on that side. And I was just noticed, I was just, like, noticed like, oh, that's really tight. And that's limiting my warming up for handstands. So I stretched the shit out of it, but just gave it, like, a 90-second static stretch with just the index finger, just kind of bending it back and tractioning it. And then, lo and behold, it was, like, a light switch going off in the shoulder, just gone. The Like, whatever issue was just gone, like, literally just turned off. It was like, oh, you know, yeah. this is how weird the body can be in giving you a perception. Whereas if I was, like, going, oh, my shoulder's really tense and holding tension for some reason, I should stretch the shit out of it, do German hangs, stretch my pecs and <laughs> all this, which admittedly I did try at first just to see if that was kind of something lacking or some other thing, but it just didn't go away. and It was just with me for a while, and then it was like, stretch your finger. Oh, your shoulder pain's gone. Yeah. So that actually gets us nicely to one of the things I want to talk about and what I hopefully we can fucking destroy a little is stretching for injury prevention it's one of those things it's just like where you see it's like oh stretching doesn't fix injuries or it doesn't prevent injuries and we use stretching to prevent injuries and then it doesn't prevent injuries and all these other kind of basically the injury topic more so than anything else and it's kind of it's, you guys have probably encounter this more because you deal with more sort of track and running and speed power athletes than i do and it's like you get this kind of thing where like people say stretching it's useless for preventing injuries so we removed it from our program and it's like if you're trying to prevent injuries with stretching you're about 40 years behind the research or possibly even 50 with this kind of thing it's like we know stretching doesn't thing what fixes injuries or what you know reduces them massively is strength training we've known this from the 70s when they started like mass testing strength training for this We know compared to stretching it's like this kind of thing but then it's like oh it's not good for fixing injuries so then for it's useless for everything else it's kind of throwing the baby out of the bathwater yeah so
3: yeah i mean i think too the other thing is we're all knowledgeable enough that we're we're not just like stretching and stretching and stretching and that's it right like yeah it's always it's always a combined modality like there's always going to be some like, yeah, obvi- like I say, obviously, because the three of us are talking and we, we all go, oh, obviously, but to most people it may not be, so obvious. but like, yeah, stretch your hamstrings, strengthen your quads and your hip flexors and also strengthen your hamstrings <laughs> isometrically or like, it's not like that's, that's also one of the contexts that it's given in Whereas it's like this group did only stretching and this group did, you know, only strength training. Yeah. And 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 group A or group B did only strength training got faster. And group A that did only stretching didn't get faster. And so, you know, there's no benefit to stretching for sports performance. You know, that's like one example, right? Like yeah. only strength training, don't stretch or whatever. And it's like you go, okay. Um, you know, but like kind of the first thing we have to define is performance and like what that means to the individual. What is the task that they have to accomplish, which is going to basically define what the standard of performance is going to give us. And like, is, is stretching going to necessarily directly make you faster? Like, is that the stimulus that, it gives? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any like correlative evidence that suggests that stretching absolutely makes you faster. I don't think anyone's claiming that now. Does it come with certain qualities that might allow somebody to be faster at certain times for sure. I can give a story. Um, there was a specific NFL athlete, um, who training a certain system, a a very successful one. He rehabbed him from an Achilles blowout. He ended up playing in the league for like eight years. Um, but he didn't really have stretching until I got involved and he went and ran. I think he got his last couple of few years, he was kind of trying out for teams and he played every year and, and made different teams. But I think he was going to try out for like Arizona Cardinals or, I know I could be wrong about whatever team it was, but the point is that the only thing he changed specifically this season was flexibility work. He started stretching. Um, He he had stretching routines that I had given him a lot of static flex, static, (laughs) passive, whatever, flexibility routines. Um, And I remember when he came back from the tryout, ended up making the team, got an offer, um, extended his career and, Hit What stood out to him, obviously enough to tell me, was that, dude, the only thing that I changed this year was an hour before I went out to run my 40 for testing, I stayed in my hotel room and, and I stretched for an hour. And not, not directly, it's not like he stretched for an hour and then boom, went straight and ran. Like he probably had an hour window between finishing his flexibility and getting to the field and then warming up and then whatever and then running. He ran his fastest 40 that year that he ever ran his whole entire career. The only training stimulus that changed was adding flexibility to his routine. Yeah. Why did it work? Maybe he gets nervous before he runs. He yeah. runs. Maybe he gets the butterflies and gets all jittery. And so he underperforms and maybe the flexibility just helped him relax. Maybe it just yeah. helped him chill out. Maybe it just helped him get out of his head and, and just be there and, and be able to run and do well and in that argument you could maybe say yeah well, stretching flexibility definitely absolutely had some contribution to improving his level of performance you can't tell me it doesn't you certainly can't tell him it didn't because that's a massive yeah. contribution that he put together himself it's not like i was like did the stretching help Did the stretch no it was just like totally unsolicited like dude the stretching I-, I i feel great you know blah 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 and there's a lot of other scenarios i can give but it's like to say that it's totally irrelevant to athletes because it doesn't have a, a an, an, exact, st- like an exact stimulus that directly improves it like that we can measure doesn't mean it didn't help do that. Yeah. And it's like, it's like kind of stretching and bodybuilding too. Like, you know, obviously we know a little bit about stretch induced hypertrophy now, yeah. but to you know, go there, were stretching that. Frank Zane, guys like this, like stretching their lats between sets because they knew that getting more range of motion through their lats is what contributed to, you know, a greater muscle fiber recruitment, blah, 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 whatever. And of course, did they really know that then? Like, was there any science or literature or research or anything that says, yeah, it's for sure, like stretch induced hypertrophy and stretching between sets makes tons of sense because, of, no, but, you know, for them, it worked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, Dante, Dante Trudel, And there's a lot of guys in bodybuilding yeah. and stuff that knew that. And, you know, and even Poliquin knew that when he made the antagonist supersets more popular. You know, the, the, the d- traditional style of training was you just did the same exercises three times in a row before moving right. on. But one thing that Poliquin, whether he learned it from somebody else or whatever, I don't know enough about it, but he definitely made like you do a push followed by a pull. They're superset with one another. Why? Because the the pulling, following the pushing fatigues and relax the lats, which allowed you to get more, you know, activation of the pecs or the shoulders. Like, so stretching definitely works in in many different scenarios. It's just, how do you, again, how do you apply it? Uh, What is, and what's, and what context is it applied and and why, what outcome are you trying to, 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 you know, to get with it more or less? Are you trying to get the splits? Okay. Yeah. You're going to need a stretch. Um, are you trying to run a, a, a a marathon? Okay. Maybe you don't need to stretch. Like, so I'm not just going to go, Oh, stretch, you know, maybe we do find that one hamstring is actually tighter and you're slightly rotated and you're more dominant on one side and blah, blah, blah. So then we use flexibility, but I'm never going to say like, Oh, it makes you a faster marathon runner, but I'm also not going to say it doesn't contribute to some degree more or less in your ability to, perform better whether there's some sort of like physical measurable quality like quality that we can look at or even if it's a more of a an emotional psychological quality that just impacts how you your mind works or whatever that you know we can contribute you know that's going to be a little bit more of a subjective uh experience but you know i think it's up to the individual to determine that for themselves like it's not really my place you know what i mean yeah so
1: it's definitely uh yeah, i'm just trying to think on this one there's definitely come a few things to unpack here it's like oh have you tried it actually the hypertrophy is quite an interesting one to come back to as well with static positioning it's kind of there's a yeah that's kind of interesting one just to think about in terms of this It's like oh we now we know that we can well the bird, like John Perillo, if people remember this kind of person who was the inspiration behind Dante Trudeau, was like there's these bird wing studies showing immense hi- hyper hypertrophy from uh, being in big ass long stretches for quite a long time. And then they're obviously trying to replicate this in bodybuilding because anything that will make you bigger is good. But one of the interesting things is what the stretching induced hypertrophy does is it induces hypertrophy at the distal ends of the muscles. So normal concentric training basically makes the middle of the muscle bigger, for, to simplify right. it, whereas this makes the ends and the tendons and the collagen ticker. And, you know, maybe that would be very advantageous if you're in a sport where you need to use your tendons and get stronger yeah. or not be at risk of injury. You know, yeah, and as i was saying, like I've just come from saying stretching doesn't prevent injury, but I'm saying there is possibly some mechanisms here that are unexplored mm-hmm. in terms of the thing. So it is kind of it's one of these things. Like I do, you know, I look at say rhythmic gymnastics, where they're not as powerful generally, but they are generally the athletes are displaying, displaying the greatest range of motion. A lot of them aren't that injured, even though they're doing some fucking crazy shit. and they're also with people who probably stretch statically the most in mm-hmm. fact, most of your rhythmic class is static stretching bar obviously tech- well the rhythmic class is a very long class like if it's a proper class it's probably about three or four hours long so uh, there's a lot of stuff but like a lot of their development is like yes they have conditioning yes they do a lot of ankle and knee and hip stability work they don't really do a lot of hypertrophy or weight training or kind of normal conditioning but it's all conditioning in context of the sport but they do a hell of a lot of static stretching either bridges splits suspended splitches. All this kind of stuff. Partner stretching, static partner stretching, lots of stuff. But they're just not that injured in general. You know, particularly when you see the people who are doing it, particularly once they've survived past teen zones, they're all quite like, they don't have a lot of muscle. They're not that strong. They're strong in context of flexibility, and they're much stronger than that. But in terms of like raw brute strength that we'd equate with injury risk, they're not. Yes, they're not that injured. And that's one of these things yeah. you have to uh, begin to look at. It's like, what is the long term effect of this? What is, how does it get implemented? Can we hide, can we, you know, can we hypertrophy our muscles all over to make them stronger and the connections to everything? It is kind of, you know, it's just something to consider, I suppose, more so than anything else.
2: Yeah. But the approach yeah. to that, the approach to that is where that's where all the, the thing between uh, markers are missing and they're not being presented in a way that allows people just to, to know their starting points. Like, you, no, you're not going to start with a Jefferson curl and, and load the bar up and just blast yourself into this range and then get to that range and, and be Why there. Why not? You know,
1: assisted Jefferson curls to get you down faster. <laughs> Why no.
3: not? I, I thought you could do that. Oh.
2: Yeah. So again, it, it does come around to like the sexy stuff, right? Like everyone gets really distracted by this sexy stuff. It looks cool. It's a barbell, uh, or, you know, it's, oh, I don't have to stretch. I'm, I'm moving. And I mean, do whatever makes you happy. Like, do whatever makes you happy for sure. But if you're objectively saying doing this is going to, you know, give me this flexibility that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for. It's like, no, it's not. It's not going to give you that. Might um, make, make you this feel. This is good. not the
3: flexibility you're looking for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yes, yeah, it's it's
3: we, we had to do the Star Wars reference since we, you know, <laughs> I'm in the Millennium Falcon and Emperor Emmett is over there, Pal- residing <laughs> over his uh, his his minions. Think,
1: Lucas, with your drug rogue we need you on like Endor with the Ewoks. <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly. He does. It does look like that. It does look like that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> quick segue. Uh, quick nerdy segue. Think, oh my god, uh, that's hilarious!
1: Shit, there's some point there I wanted to bring up Should we? Was that an important one or not? No, probably wasn't important. To come back to me. Yeah, It doesn't matter. I've forgotten my point. or train of thought. For the
2: context of how we're gonna, you know, get to those points you know, comes back around to the setting that foundation, with static stretching um, establishing those end ranges in a way where it's measurable and allows you to like move yourself towards these concepts of end range strengthening and um, like set the stage for it to at least get to the point where you're not just turning in circles, like, that's that's really where everyone ends up going is they're they're just walking in, in circles like oh, i tried this and i tried that and this isn't working i tried this and i tried that this isn't working it's like okay it is still going back to have you done that work at the start yeah. that's gonna actually lay that foundation well, for you to get there
3: a lot of people are just toe dippers too mm-hmm. I mean, let's just let's just be realistic let's yeah, be yeah. honest and let's just call everyone out like you haven't done it long enough to really know if it works you were on this system for three weeks you were on this system for three weeks you're on, you on this system for three weeks it's like it's you know it's like of course you haven't done it long enough to know if it's going to work like and it's funny because a lot of people get in my programming and they're like holy crap like i come from having 24 leg exercises to having two and it's like why why do you have so many little exercises and i was like well a couple reasons one i have clinical experience working with people that are like come from extreme states of like you know dysfunction if that's what you want to call it i don't want to title people as that but and you know, it's like making a, a soup, right? Yeah. It's like when you make a soup, you add one ingredient, you taste it. Yeah. Okay, great. You add another ingredient, you taste it. Okay, yeah, this going to need a little bit of this. And, and you just keep that's how you build a soup, right? It takes yeah. like eight hours, nine hours. My mom used to make get up like five in the morning to start making soups sometimes for dinner. It's like the one in the can. You don't just, you don't No, No, she was country, you know, like everything was made real from soup. scratch, real deal. Um, but you don't just take all the fucking ingredients and just dump the shit into the pot and go here's soup. And then, you know, and like wish and hope for the best at the end. It's how do we know what works? If we have, if we're doing 24 different things, it's like, you're, you have no way to know even just with some sort of subjective core evidence that anything that you're doing works, you, you you're not going to know. There's just too yeah. many variables. There's too many factors here to go, Oh, this definitely worked. Or this definitely worked. It's just like something worked. And, yeah. and now like, how are you going to know what it was? And so I think that's like a big thing that people kind of get shocked when they come is like, I'm so used to doing all these different things. Why is it? I don't have all these different things in what I'm doing now. And it's like, because if something happens to you, I have no way of knowing what caused it if something worked is successful for you, I have, you know, other than my own experiences and the reason yeah. I gave it to you in the first place or whatever, but it's like, if something does come up, or if there was some major breakthrough, I want to be able to attribute it to something that was done. And the mo- the less I have to pull from, yeah, it's going to be a little easier to determine what that was than what it wasn't. You know what I mean? Um, which I think is like, kind of an interesting, like that was even with your flexibility programming was such a different experience from so many other people's because a lot of other people was just like so much shit. It was overwhelming. Yeah, And then when it was like Emmett's flexibility programming was like way more minimalistic, but then it was like, wow, this actually works because you have a very small amount of things that you are doing that you can definitely go this work, this work, this work versus like, I don't really know what worked, but I'm just going to kind of keep doing all this stuff because something in here worked but i can't really pinpoint it, right yeah it's
2: you put your not kind of, in the yeah. right spot
1: yeah it's basically like yeah. it is you know if we just look at things so i always think about flexibility at the very initial stage as a skill there's a skill to being flexible there's a skill to doing these positions there's a skill to doing the positions getting good at them and then having it transfer to whatever you hope it will transfer so there is just like we have a transfer of strength like oh we want to strength coaches Oh, we want to get this athlete faster on the field. Oh, we'll get them stronger. It doesn't necessarily make them faster. You still have to teach them how to access that strength in, you know, in context of what's going on on the pitch. It's the same with flexibility. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a skill of doing the exercise. You do the exercise, you do the exercise well, it improves. It doesn't necessarily improve everything else. And you're trying to right. get this skill first in the exercise. And then you try you transfer it over, and hopefully begin to see it. And this is what I look for in a lot of the training I am doing. Is when do I start seeing the, the emergence, as I would title it, in my system? When do I see the emergence of the range of motion from the exercise to something else that involves that same range of motion, but isn't isn't trained directly? So it's like, oh, yeah. then it's like, oh, cool. So I know this person. You have some times like they will gain twenty degrees in their split over twelve weeks or something like this. Uh, then in three to eight weeks later, I should see an increase in their straddle handstand. If I don't see the increase in the straddle handstand, then I have, okay, maybe I need to train this thing specifically to get the person out. Is it a cueing idea that there's range there, but they don't expect to use it? Perception basis of like, oh, the body's used to doing this. That's one type of cueing. Is it like they can't do it and there's a strength deficit in one of their planes of movement? Okay, then we train strength. Whereas if I was just to go like, oh, let's cue, give you strength, Everything then it's the kitchen sink approach, whereas we can be a bit more precise with a lot of what we do. Mm-hmm.
3: What's needed for that person? Yeah. yeah. Twelve like, weeks
2: is not a long time. <laughs> no. Put in things, the of things No. I think it's a fair amount of time to give something a shot. But anyone listening here that thinks twelve weeks is a long time, it's not.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, no one in the right mind is going to do a bodybuilding program and expect like three weeks they're going to be like back. You know what I mean? I mean, well, I would at least hope, I, mean, days. I mean, at least I hope <laughs> <Die> not.
2: <bro. laughs> well, a is we, enough time know. to actually evaluate if you're moving in the right direction. Like, For sure, in the
3: right direction. I mean, people just fail to recognize that there's certain biological principles and adaptations that you just, by nature's design, have to give time to show its head. Like, yeah. you yeah. can't. There's nothing you can do to speed that up. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe yeah. you know. There's just not. Uh, you know. Otherwise, we'd all be like. Hacking into our own biology and becoming super mutants and whatever—like there's just a certain design that you have to respect and uh, and understand what those are. There's no shortcut. There is. Twelve weeks gives
2: you. Twelve weeks is almost even for the coach's point of view too. Gives you a decent amount of frame of time to know if that person is committed. (laughs) Are you actually? Yeah. Can you even?
3: Are you wasting my time or not?
2: Yeah. Can you focus on this for twelve weeks? Can you just? You just do this for 12 weeks without second guessing it because that's your barrier right there. It's like every time, every time you start something you change it because it's not happening right away. It's like, or you're not giving me time to evaluate it and then troubleshoot, figure out what needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's where you do have to have that constant reminder of how long it's going to take. Yeah. Like one to three months, a beginner, Has never actually stretched before. I feel like a million bucks. It's like, yeah, he's never done this before, and never done it the right way. And then it's, and then that's where shit kind of hits the fan. And it's like, well, I'm not progressing the way I want to, or I'm not dunking a ball, or you know, doing these things. It's like my
3: favorite. Oh, I have never trained my knees before, and now I'm training my knees, and my knees feel great. It's like, yeah, it's you know, shit.
2: Those beginner adaptations, wow. um, yeah, twelve weeks is not a long time.
1: Yeah, no, I think that yeah, it comes down to it, it's like what I'm, you know, what I'm always kind of hunting for is the plateaus, because the plateaus is like we we're always gonna get cheap neurological gains. These are cheap. These are ones like oh, I've yeah. never done like I've just never done this before. I've never thrown a dart at a dartboard, and I'm gonna spend twelve weeks throwing darts at a dartboard. Oh wait, I've gotten better at throwing darts at a dartboard boom mind blown but then i'll reach a point where like oh actually my dartboard skills aren't improving there has to be something i need to look at oh is it my stance is it my the way i'm holding it in my eye am i holding it different is my grip right you know all these well, i don't i don't even play yeah. dart, so i'm just I don't even mind pulling this up as a thing <laughs> well, you get the idea of what i'm going at but what we're looking this at is a at like dart expert yeah particularly with like say strength training and other stuff it's like oh i changed onto a new program or I change the new flexibility program. Oh, I'm going deeper each week. I'm going deeper each week. And then it stops working. When it stops working, that's when you need to persist. As long as the program is logical and other stuff. Because that's when like, you've reached the limit of what you got out of the system on the, the coordinative aspects of the nervous system. Coordinating your skill to the exercise to your thing. And then it's like, okay, well, now the body has to adapt because you've reached the stimulus threshold. And that's yeah. where things get interesting
3: yeah
1: yeah for sure oh, yeah infinite adaptation though is possible
3: two and a half kg a week <laughs> <laughs> oh god um i think kind of one of the last things i know i definitely wanted to get into this conversation because this is like the argument that's usually brought up to me and it's funny and i got into a spat with a doctor on uh lane norton's post about how stretching flexibility is a waste of time for people who want to improve performance but anyways basically the post was like here, here's the argument thrown in your face right and this is where you know people are stupid yeah. is he goes I, I made the argument of like okay object- objectively if if stretching doesn't make you more flexible or if stretching decreases force output makes you less explosive etc why is it that martial artists taekwondo athletes can jump and kick something nine feet in the air let me see you kick something nine feet in the air lane norton and tell me that you know that's like, what? <laughs> um, or, or some of these jumps that ballet ballerinas make, right? Like these yeah. crazy 360 leaps where their toes are literally like four feet off the ground. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they go here, here's the argument that gets thrown back is goes, well, the Australian ballet stopped stretching and they saw a significant increase or decrease in injuries over a period of time. And you go and we're, okay, show me this, this link. And so they send you a link of a, an article that was written by a newspaper in Australia that says Australia's ballet, you know, making waves and changing the industry because they stop static stretching and and start introducing strength training and their athletes injuries go down. And there's a couple factors you go. Okay. One, I can tell you right now from knowing ballerinas and knowing ballet, these girls did not stop stretching. For, for one, they're still stretching. Two, like just that argument alone is like, I know you don't understand it. You've never been to a ballet. You've probably never seen a ballerina in your life. I don't even know why you're bringing this up because you don't know what you're talking about, but I'll, I'll just, I'll entertain it. And yeah. then it goes, and then it's like, well, they did calf raises, you know? And so their ankle injuries went down and it's like, okay, that's logical. Like they strengthened their ankles and their ankle decreasing ankle injuries. But it goes back to the, the traditional response of something is hurting. Something is whatever tri- as in traditionally, you know, and a lot of these athletes don't have somebody standing over them all the time. So their response is to just stretch, stretch more, stretch, more, stretch, more, stretch, more. And it's like, these girls are as, as flexible as you can get. Like you almost can't get more flexible than these girls. Yeah. And it, it's, it's treating the symptom with stretching and then saying, well, static stretching is useless because these girls are still injured when they static stretch their ankles. And it's like, but that, again, it's not how you use stretching. You don't have an ankle injury and then go, well, let me just stretch it more and more and more and more. And then yeah. when you add some calf raises in, you go, wow, this is revolutionary. They're decreasing injuries because they, st-. it's just like a really misleading article yeah. because anyone involved in dance knows that these, th- these girls have spent more time stretching that will last them. Most yeah. people's lifetimes. It's like, like it's not a one or the other scenario. Like, (laughs) I don't care what article you show me. Like all you're showing me is that they introduced calf raises. (laughs) Like, yeah, I I can promise you those like, if you're an Australian ballerina and you're part of the Australian ballet and you guys stop static stretching, please message me and let me know. But I very seriously doubt that's the case at all. I know a lot of ballerinas, they all stretch. Yeah, The, the also- revolutionary thing that's changed, sorry to just no, no. finish the revolutionary thing that's changed in ballet the last five years or whatever. And I know this from clients who have daughters and stuff in ballet is they started introducing some basic body weight strength training in terms of calf raises and tibia work and, yeah. you know, lunging and whatever. Um, but they just added some more strength training. Like, but it, again, it's not like it's, they didn't, they're still stretching. (laughs) Like I was just talking to a client the other day, whose daughters, she's in New York for ballet. And it's like eight hours of her day. She probably two or three of those hours every day. She stretches an hour before she leaves the house for a full hour. As soon as she wakes up, she gets to the studio, she stretches another hour. Then she warms up for an hour. Then she dances for however many hours. And then later that night does some more stretching (laughs) and strength work. It's like this is, these are full-time athletes like this is what they do yeah. for a job like they, they it's the same with high-level gymnasts yeah. six six hours of training a day at least and it's like a lot of that is stretching and a lot of that is obviously strength training and then a lot of that is also the skill application the dancing or the gymnastics yeah. skills or whatever it's not like it's not like they just do calf raises and become be- yeah. good ballerinas like yeah <laughs> i think that's Completely. kind of like a- Good
1: example, actually, of the opposite side of people we normally deal with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we look at traditional ballet training, it has a huge demand on flexibility, particularly of the girls. It has to the point where the girls are stretching so young and so much that they will generally actually warp their growth plates and be able to... They're still pliable. Kids and joints are pliable up to a certain point. So you'll find like, you know, it's the classic one just on to talk about this a bit you'll find like ballerinas have like zero internal rotation and their None. feet and ankles can't fit and what's happened is their joint capsules have actually shifted the arc so what is measuring zero on a goniometer for internal rotation is actually plus 15 for them blah because they can externally rotate their hips like past 180 degrees so the arc shifted so that's how much stretching they've engaged in to change the actual physical bone structure the other thing is like we're basically approaching this thing we have someone who traditionally doesn't do a lot of strength training, does dance preparation and does stretching. And then go, Oh wait, we added strength training and it prevented injuries, therefore X is bad. No, it's just like, oh, we have someone who has never stretched before but has done loads of strength training, and feels like shit. Oh, we gave them stretching, we gave them well designed stretching program, they start to feel great again. It's the exact same thing from the other end of the spectrum. And this yeah. is what yeah, once again context, what has the person done before? The three Ws: Who am I speaking to? Where are they in relation to what they want to do? And what is their previous history with this skill? Yeah, yep. you know, yep. it's very fucking simple. It's like I've never done strength training. I have injuries, and I've tried stretching. Well, it's obviously not working. Let's do strength training. I've done loads of strength training. I still have injuries. Have you tried stretching? No. Let's try it and see. And is there a context for the application of these modalities? Yes. You know, so well,
3: that's the uh, that's the question that Kit came to when he did his thesis for back. Right? Like yeah. doesn't he tell how he had, he had the one class that was like incredibly strong athletes, pain injuries, yeah. whatever he had the other class, super flexible, not a lot of strength, tons of injuries, whatever, obviously it wasn't strength, obviously it wasn't flexibility. And then he found that it's like, w- as we most understand now, it was this group needs the, what this other group needs and this other group needs what this group doesn't have. And then they yeah. s- start building both qualities and both capacities in both groups. And then you see improvements in those qualities, whether it be pain injuries or whatever dissipate or go down from having both. It's, it's not a, it's not a one or the other thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what he actually based his whole thesis on when he wrote overcoming neck and back pain, when he, for his PhD, I think that's what he did it on was, was just the realization that it's like, it isn't just strength training and it isn't just flexibility. It's like, do they have the range of motion needed and in that range of motion to execute ever a task or to, you know, withstand whatever stimulus is being put on their body. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of the end of the story. Like it's, it really is that simple. It's not that complicated.
2: Yeah. It comes down to assessing like what you currently are capable of. If you are hyper mobile, your program might not even have stretching in it. <laughs> you know, yeah, You can access those positions and, and everyone's banging their head on a wall because they're stretching to get flexible and they don't know how to evaluate the success of that. They don't know, um, you know, if that is what they need to be doing. You might not even, again, yeah. you might not need to have to stretch as yeah. much. Um, but that is specific to the individual, not the person who doesn't want to stretch.
3: Right. Exactly. <laughs> or finding a way not to. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, It's like people ask me now, how much do you stretch? And I almost don't give an answer because then their expectation is that's how much they can do to get my results. And it's like, no, 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 you, I started this path seven years ago. I've spent a lot of time in static stretches and I've, I am now at the point where maintenance of that is relatively easy. It it is a lot more cost effective and time efficient for me not to do it because I don't have to focus on it. So it's, it's just like, it's just, I'm just not wasting my time doing something I don't need to do but I put in the hours leading up to this point and we're all in the same boat. It's like, you know, do I have a hundred percent access? No. Could I go right now and within the next week go back, which initially took me five, six months to get comfortably. Absolutely. So it's like, you know, can I do more strength training versus stretching now is the ratio severely un- unbalanced? Yeah, of course it is. But it's like, cause I've put the time in where it's needed to address the things I needed to address. And for me for a long time, I'm now reaping the benefits of exploring flexibility and creating some sort of tension symmetry in my body that I can go to the gym and I can do bilateral lifts and train my ass off and squat every day. And I don't get the shit that people get because I put in the work. And it's a lot of that was, I absolutely know hundred percent without a doubt was flexibility training real structured, good, Quality, flexibility training when and where needed, in the context it needed to be in. Not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Not just, you know, showing up and being on my phone and just kind of hanging out. No, no, like, like legitimate training. Like you're not going to squat with your phone. <laughs> you know, like st- stretching and like Emmett said, really focusing on yeah. the introversion of like, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? for a full hour. And it's a pretty powerful experience. If you can do it, it's, you know, and with, within relatively short amount of time, you'll notice.
2: Yeah. Like I stretched my ass off to get to the point where I don't have to stretch my
3: ass off. And it's like the gymnast that can come back 10 years later and still do an iron cross. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you spent like your whole childhood developing an iron cross. Like, of course it's still there. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, to some degree, but you hear those stories all the time, right? It's, it's like, yeah.
1: I think you've yeah, spent time
3: developing a skill.
1: Yeah, it's this kind of thing. It's like, you know, how much range do you need? Obviously, we don't expect everyone to get splits and all this shit. But right. putting the time in to get the range and the familiarity with it, then it just lasts. This is the kind of thing. It's like, oh, I still just can do all these things. Oh, maybe it gets a small bit mm-hmm. tighter from the peak. That's why you always need a small bit more than you think yeah. you need. But yeah. once you have that, you're just like, oh, don't stretch i can still do splits like i know so many kind of former acrobats or older acrobats or coaches i've had who are in their 50s and 60s and they could still they didn't train like some of them had gotten pretty big you know and they're just like oh you know i'm 60 i fucking don't give a fuck about training i play my grandkids about eight is my only activity yet i can still do splits and you know all this and it's like well it doesn't really fade and that's the kind of thing. It's like, oh, people are like, oh, it takes away from yeah. training. It's like, you do kind of do it once, do it well, spend a focused period of time, and then it's there. Yeah. 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 I just remember my yeah. point. Of whole probably, life <laughs> a
3: lot of these kids are 20. <laughs> a lot of these kids are 20 years old. Like, oh, I, I'm 15. I was told, it's like, dude, stretch till you're 18. You'll yeah. never have to stretch again in your entire life. Like, yeah. like, like the next. 60 70 years of your life you'll have night you'll retain i guarantee you probably 90 to 95 percent of that range unless something extremely traumatic happens to you like a massive accident or something like that like you'll have it literally the rest of your life yeah the uh, not uh, massive investment <laughs> for a good roi true. i think i mean
1: yeah it's that kind of thing yeah. yeah with strength training do it once do it well get strong and then you can uh, cruise be for strong. a long time uh yeah right i think i actually have to wrap up here i'm just getting a bit late i have to get back to some stuff
3: i think it's uh, i think it's a good place yeah. the moon's coming down I
1: yeah. <laughs> i've got a fucking fuck up he's, he's,
3: lucas he, he's up. arrived he's got a he's got a launch and blow up the planet yeah <laughs> awesome guys yeah. <laughs> got something to do <laughs> <laughs> where's my
1: big red button
3: <laughs> oh man all hey, right, you guys got some exit music to put on oh uh, uh, come, on, come Harry, on cue it i can't
1: really do the handstand factory the music but what have i got i've got stretch bitches <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: awesome hey. it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper